0: Robin Clark, welcome to the conversation today.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Michigan. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about succession planning and growing your bench. As we get started, I wanted to share Robin's bio with everybody. Robin Clark is the founder of Winning Wise, an HR talent management company, and has worked with a wide range of companies from L'Oreal to the Federal Reserve Bank. She has more than 30 years of experience designing and delivering solutions in talent management. Uh, I love it. This is my wheelhouse as well, something I love talking (laughs) about all day long. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, As we get started, anything you would like to highlight by way of your background, personal context, experience before we just dive on into the broader topic?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I would just say, you know, working on uh, succession planning and all the talent review components of that and growing your bench and developing people in their careers is really, you know, our passion and what we do so much at our organization day in and day out. And, you know, I've been working in this field for over 30 years, but you can see the evolution of it, you know, over time from right from just trying to educate people to now really trying to grow and develop people and create opportunities for them and create runways for companies so that, you know. You know, together people can create the success that they're looking to do. So um, I can talk about it all day too. So super excited to be here. So we can just dive in. Maybe
0: we can start with a little bit of a history lesson, if that's all right. Because as I think about this concept of succession planning, it's shifted over time in relation to how work has shifted. Um, the structure of our economy, how work is designed, uh, predominant types of jobs, et cetera. So succession planning today is different. It looks different than Mm -hmm. maybe it did three decades ago. Uh, I don't know if that's something you're comfortable sharing a little bit about from your perspective and what you've seen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say three decades ago, you know, at a bare minimum, succession planning was really just making sure they had somebody in that top level role. You know, Mm -hmm. do we have somebody that can go into the C level role? What are we going to do if this person leaves or is hit by a bus? Is probably more that they worry what what they worried about than even being, than even actually leaving because people didn't leave jobs as frequently as they do today. Right now, the CEO role is about a three-year tenure, but back in the day, you know, you worked your way up most of the time. You got to the CEO role. You'd been with that company for 30 years or more, so they weren't really worried about that, but they were worried about you passing away or something like that, and then when it started to, you know, when they started to realize that, all right, maybe maybe we should think a little deeper than just the, you know, top-level role. They started looking at the roles attached to that, and uh, and they'd still look for replacements. Now, I think, we've grown to the point where companies that are really focused on it are looking for critical roles. They're looking also for critical people, even if they're not in critical roles yet, right? So it's trying to look at both of those components are not always one in the same. They used to be one in the same, but they're not anymore. And ideally, the best companies are trying to move towards it really being a development and growth conversation as opposed mm-hmm. to what only ready now or not conversation. So not everybody's there yet. Not everybody really knows how to have that kind of conversation around the development aspect, but you know, that's what we live to help get people to, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think all that's absolutely right. And something else I've noticed uh over the years is it seems like we're really moving into, I mean, flexibility is the name of the game in the modern workplace. Uh, and the the ability to be adaptive, and you already identified one of the biggest differences between now and several decades ago is people change jobs and careers right so much so rapidly, uh, way more yep. than before. That psychological contract between employer and employee is is dramatically different today than it was decades ago, uh, and and so there's just not the same level of kind of loyalty and commitment and trust between parties as, you know, perhaps there used to be. Uh, and so it, it leads to some really interesting things when we talk about succession planning, because on the one hand, you know, we're having these development conversations. um, But some organizations are fearful, of like, I'm just going to invest, dump into these people who are then just going to choose to leave. Uh, And then it becomes that catch 22 of like, okay, so we don't invest in our people, because right. they're just going to leave, then they don't feel invested in. So they leave, right. right, um, and, right. and that kind of a dynamic happens. Something else that you know i have noticed is just really this uh, i think the the most um compelling organizations are looking for more flexibility around different on-ramps and pathways to leadership um outside of perhaps what the traditional kind of ladder of success and and succession might have looked like in the past so mm-hmm. that we're looking for talent in different places we're looking for critical skill sets and competencies not necessarily 10 years in exposition or right, or whatever
1: right, right. Yeah, the criteria has changed. I would almost say they're looking for different pathways for different people. And Mm -hmm. some of those people will go into leadership pathways, but some of those people and some of the companies are really starting to recognize technical expertise and how important that is to have some of that subject matter expertise. And maybe those people aren't best suited for leadership roles, and maybe they shouldn't (laughs) be in those roles, but we don't necessarily consider those technical roles to be of less value or a lower level. So um, that is a huge change because yeah. it was before that the only way to progress, you know, is to uh, going up the food chain meant that you took on the responsibility of leading, whether or not you liked it, whether or not you were equipped to do that. Um, that was just your only way. But a lot of companies are now creating those technical paths too and allowing those grade levels to go pretty high and uh, and really valuing that expertise and allowing leaders to be more focused on leadership, instead of just being the subject matter expert, like there's more of a partnership. I think that's a really cool, cool thing. But there's also going to be then critical roles on both sides of the house. And yep. uh, and so hopefully, they can support and help each other in that process, you know, each kind of fill in a, a really important need, you know, for the company and for the people. Around them. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And we all know the Peter principle, people that are promoted <laughs> yeah. to their level of incompetence. And a mm-hmm. lot of times when we talk about the Peter principle, it's not the technical expertise that's lacking. That's right. why they that's get promoted not in the first the problem. Exactly. That's not the problem. The problem right. is they don't necessarily have the other leadership exactly. competencies, the interpersonal stuff, the emotional intelligence stuff, like some of those things. That doesn't mean these Lots people aren't skills. valuable. And so what often happens is we're setting Good people up for failure,
1: absolutely. Because,
0: because we put them in positions where they're not equipped to thrive. So yeah. as an organization, we're removing technical experts that are giving tons of value. We're putting them into different positions that they're not equipped for, and then mm-hmm. we wonder why it's not working. Why it um, doesn't
1: work? Yeah, right. Yeah. No, and so you're a, you're a
0: you're absolutely right. Like having these different kind of pathways for career growth and development. Um, and advancement within organizations, I think is really critical mm-hmm. in, in decoupling you know the the technical expertise versus managerial and leadership excellence um mm-hmm. because it really is a completely different set of skills, and we've all been there, and we've all worked with people who we know are great people. We know that they're they they've been super successful in the past. we know that they have lots of technical expertise, but we also know that it's a bit of a nightmare. Now that they're in this different position. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and and that's unfortunate for everybody. It's not good I for the know. company. It's not good for the individual.
1: No, it's not. The good news is, and it's this is not true in every company, but the good news is in a lot of companies today, it's okay to say that. It's yeah. okay to say, I really, you know, my passion is around innovation, around creating something new, and I want to be that technical expert. Mm-hmm. I don't mind having a small team of technical people around me, but I don't want to be responsible for the broader leadership strategy vision and, you know, rallying people and mobilizing and engaging them. I don't want to do all that. And it is more acceptable today to say that even, you know, when you have strong ambition, it wasn't okay to say that back in the day um, yeah. and that you weren't ambitious. So yeah,
0: exactly. And in fact, like I, I, I'm thinking of my, my brother, Uh, who recently he had to choose to leave the company ultimately because he had a bit of an ultimatum. He'd been with them. He progressed. He'd gotten to a level where he was comfortable, where he was excelling, where he was working well with those around him. And for many years they tried to promote him to a higher level and he kept on Mm -hmm. saying no, and that was not acceptable to them. And it got to the point where they, you know, where they just really gave him an ultimatum saying you either need to take this, you know, high executive level position uh, or, you know, or we're going to make a change. And he chose yeah. to leave. Um, yeah. and which, which is sad. It's a, such a loss for, uh, for yeah. that company. You know, he landed yeah. on his feet and went to another place and is doing great, but yeah, what a loss for that company. Yeah. And it was simply an old school mentality that caused yeah. it.
1: That was in the eighties. That was the upper out, you know? Yeah. And,
0: and in four, yeah. But my brother's experience, it was like less than 10 years ago. <laughs> well,
1: I know that's still using the eighties <laughs> mindset. <laughs> using the 80s mind because yes. that's when depression was starting to grow and there was this you know thing about upper route. you know everybody had to go up now it's like what do you want yeah. and people are instead of climbing a ladder lots of people are playing around in the jungle gym which um you know i thought was a really cool analogy Sheryl sandberg said that originally and i thought that was a great analogy and a great way for people to be able to explore their careers and companies to have more options on their bench it gives everybody more choices and it creates clarity for everyone on what the possibilities are. So I think that's a really good thing. I think another thing companies have to think about as they want to be able to grow their bench is how they really are developing their people. Many companies, if they are working at it, let's just say they're working at it and they're trying to do a good job with it, they're pretty competency-based in other mm-hmm. words, this person will be ready for this role when they are better at visioning, or as I call the three dreaded words of development, be more strategic generally told to somebody by someone who isn't very strategic. And (laughs) and it's like, nobody knows what they're talking about or what you actually want me to do. But generally speaking, that's a big one or they need to communicate better or whatever, but nobody develops based on a competency. This isn't how I change or how I grow. It is the destination of what I need to get to, but it isn't the way that I grow to get there. I have to figure out if you want me to be more strategic, what that means. Do I have to be more grateful? Do I have to show more confidence and be more articulate about what my, you know, big ideas might be? Do I need to understand the organization better in the big picture? So, so it's really important that people can think about what personal change do I need to make and how can we help people think about that personal change in order to drive the goals and the competencies that we need to see for them to go to those roles and that is a, um, a mission I think we're still fighting for, you know, to have under- leaders and organizations really understand how personal growth and change actually happens so that their benches cannot just be filled with people, but can be filled with people growing to get in, you know, especially to get into the roles they want or as their company grows and shifts.
0: Yes. And, and you, you've said it. I just want to reiterate how important it is to take each individual on a case by case basis like right. you you can't you can't just have this this overarching plan saying okay everyone yeah. when you're here for 2 years that means you're here and it's nice to have a general framework i suppose but but too many organizations get too rigid and mm-hmm. they get too prescriptive and and you just have to know your people there's no right. substitute for knowing your people knowing what matters to them knowing what their goals are and how they want to develop and what types of roles That's they right. want to be in in the future uh, and how that might change over time, too. Yeah. One of the things that I've seen, you know, is in, in an effort, you know, in some organizations that are forward thinking, and they're trying to do this better, Um, in an effort, you know, to really know their people, they're having these conversations. But but they're like one time conversations. And that's mm-hmm. not helpful, either. It needs to be ongoing. Right. So
1: ongoing, pe- yeah,
0: people have different life stages, they have different circumstances, in their families, or, you know, at home, uh, in communities, whatever, um, people's situations change. And so, you know, what I might have told my employer 10 years ago about what my goals are, how I want to develop the types of roles I want to do in the future, that might be very different than five years ago versus now, right? And and so often, um, organizations either don't have those conversations at all, and they just kind of expect people to just kind of go through the normal ladder. Or they have that conversation once, maybe twice, and they, they just don't follow up and they just assume that they understand where the person's at, not recognizing that this is organically shifting, <laughs> like things change over time, just like the company shifts. Um, and I can think of, I, I'm a university professor, um, and that's my, my main gig, and uh, I've been doing, I've been at the university here for 15 years And I've had a variety, you know, in addition to teaching and research and all those typical professor things, I've had a a variety of different leadership roles at the university as well. And at times I've had thoughts of, oh, I think it would be really cool to do this kind of leadership position, to do this kind of a role. Um, One my life stage has changed, you know, I have six Mm -hmm. children, when my kids were all young, and, you know, we're having babies and taking care of the kids and everything that was a bit different. Now, my youngest is 10, everyone's in school, my oldest are in college, like, you know, it's just different, right. But the other thing that's different is not me, it's the it's the university, it's the organization, Mm -hmm. right? The the organization today is different than it was when I started 15 years ago. So some of the roles that I might have really been interested in and trying to develop towards, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, it doesn't look the same. It doesn't act the same um, sure. today as it did back then. And so maybe I'm not interested anymore. Or right. maybe maybe where there was a fit previously, there's not a great fit anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I, I think we're beating a dead horse at this point. But really just it, it has to be more flexible. It has to be more ongoing. Uh, otherwise, you're going to find yourself um, in the trap of of trying to align people with past information not with the current circumstance.
1: Yeah, I love what you're saying. And I think it's super true. I think there's two parts of that that I think matter. Like, ta- I'm always encouraging talent practitioners. I do a lot of executive coaching and a lot of work with talent people. And I'm always encouraging them to really, really get to know the actual people inside the organization. Because sometimes there is such a focus on running the process that they don't actually deeply know the people. So when the managers and leaders are coming to these, you know, talent review sessions and they're trying to Mm -hmm. put people in a nine box, you know, and then they're trying to figure out, maybe they figure out what the development is or what it isn't, the um, talent practitioner doesn't really get to challenge or push back or push the thinking and help really support and advocate both for the people and for the organization because managers aren't always equipped to know what to do about that. That isn't their expertise. Their expertise is usually the business that they're trying to manage. So to really be a great coach to them, you have to really know the people intimately. So it's hard. It takes effort. It's very intentional. I was just talking to a talent practitioner um, the other day, and we were having a long discussion about this. And she was saying the exact thing like, yes, I have put so much energy and effort on Really making the process better and engaging people in the process, but I haven't really taken the time to get to know, especially the critical people that are in those critical roles. So that's a, I think, a really important thing for people to think about on the other side of it for individuals sometimes you know people's ambitions like ebb and flow kind of like you were saying you know like you change your mind a little bit about you know the effort you can put in the energy that you have the places you want to go sometimes they're bigger and sometimes they're smaller and and so it's really important for people to think about what is important to them, what their needs are, and how does that blender match with what the company is about? I know for some folks, they think they can just be in a role for a really long time and they feel like that must make them safe or protected. But what happens in these companies is the roles outgrow them. So yes. even if You don't want to go to a higher level role. Like you don't want to take on a bigger leadership role or whatever. It's fine. But if you want to stay in a role that you're in, it's really important to continue in your own development journey because you don't want to find that the roles outgrew you. I, you see that we see it all the time. And there is pain in that for people and for companies. So I'd say both of those, like, you know, like there's things to get to know on both sides. The people need to know the company better and the talent practitioners can play a really big role in supporting the managers and the people. Um, Since it's their usually their passion and their expertise, you know, like, I don't know, dig in and know the people, I guess, would be huge advice to talent practitioners.
0: Yeah, there's no substitute for that, right? Mm-hmm. And th- and that's the that's the hard work. I mean, it's not like rocket science hard, but it is like intentionality and consistency Absolutely. hard. <laughs> Absolutely, it means you have to put the time and energy into it. You do. Um, I, I'm thinking of of an organization I was consulting with recently, and they were having the exact problem you were just describing. And mm-hmm. you know, someone who was in a C-suite level role. <clears throat> who who was very well suited uh, by all appearances and, and um, talking to the people they worked with, you know, had been very successful, very equipped, very capable. Um, but the problem was they didn't grow with the role and the role as it does often in many organizations, mm-hmm. the role shifted over time, just as the organization kind of grows and shifts right. over time. And there was no development of that person for the shifting role. Right. Right. And so now it wasn't, it wasn't one of those situations where, you know, the Peter principle was at play per se, you know, where someone was hired into a role that they weren't suited for in the first place. They Mm -hmm. were well suited for the role, but they weren't anymore. (laughs) And that's the fault, both of the person who needs to be aware and understand how they need to continue to learn and grow, as you said, but also it's the fault of the senior leadership, like to be (laughs) proactively helping People to see where they need to be growing and developing and helping provide the support that needs to happen for them thousand to
1: succeed. And the irony is what you're talking about and what we're talking about here are people in very high level roles. We're not talking about low level roles. You know, we're talking about the CEOs, the COO, the CFO. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the roles that. It really shocks the daylights out of them when they've been in them for a long, for a good solid period of time. And Mm -hmm. they've been working hard and they've been achieving results, but there is all of a sudden a bigger mission or the company merges with somebody else or something happens that changes things dramatically. And they are beyond surprised. And it's almost weird that they're so surprised, but- they don't really pay attention to the growth and development they may have needed along the way to keep up with how that grow that role would evolve. And, um, and it's hard. It's hard on all the people around the person. It's hard on the person. Um, So, I mean, I can think of examples right now in my head just like you can. So yeah. It's a good thing to pay attention to. It's also a cool place for a talent practitioner to play because this Mm -hmm. is where they have to have confidence and boldness in what they communicate and what they say. And sometimes that can be difficult because they're often at a level that is lower, you know, hierarchically than those senior level leaders. So sometimes it's hard for them to tell those truths, but you almost have to push yourself and develop the confidence to be able to be honest about those things. Um, or at least the CHRO, you know, but yeah. that's that trifecta of the CFO, the CHRO, and the CEO can come into play. But
0: yeah, yeah, and and we've we've mentioned several times throughout the conversation um, about the important, you know, this this metaphor of growing the bench. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a sports analogy, right? Uh, I, yeah. That um, I think everyone's familiar with. But let's take a moment and just hone in on that because it's really really important and i i think we sometimes forget we 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 have kind of the cliche analogies or metaphors that we use but no like when you're talking about professional sports you have to have a deep bench the teams with the deep bench are the teams that tend to be successful you can have that star player um and maybe they're surrounded with some support people but if there's not a bench uh they get worn out and and they just you can't perform at peak level all the time. Um, so you have to have backup. You have to have people that can come in mm-hmm. and support you. And and there has to be those synergies amongst the team. And I don't think I can overemphasize how important that mentality is within yeah. the workplace, uh, beyond the cliches, to like really say, no, what talent do we need? Like, yeah. What kind of deep bench do we really need to be successful, especially while everything is you know, like chaos in the world and things are shifting mm-hmm. so rapidly. And, you know, we we just, you don't need to look any further than like generative AI and, and the disruption that's caused yeah. in the world of work over the last year or two, um, or the pandemic, you know, over the last four years, you know, these are major things that have disrupted and will continue to dis- disrupt. And we will have other things that will continue to disrupt. Yep. And the only way we can navigate all of that successfully in a sustainable way is with a really deep bench. And yeah. so learning how to attract and retain great people and to develop those people so they feel invested in, so they want to stay with the organization, all of that is is mission critical for organizations. And I think everyone, I mean, you, you talk to a leader, a, a C-suite person, and they know how important talent is. Um, but they don't always, it doesn't always show in their policies and practices. It doesn't always show, you know, when they over hire for a period and then do massive layoffs, like in the tech sector, like we've seen the,
1: mm-hmm. the last
0: 18 months, right? So like, you need to be very thoughtful in how you're putting you know, your realization that yes, talent is important. Succession is important. Growing the bench is important. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? What are you going to invest into it? What systems and processes are you going to put in place to make sure it's happening? And, and you need to get past, you know, just the aspirational goal of it all and get into like the the nitty gritty of what it's actually going to take. And if you don't do that, it's not going to happen. Like you're, you're yeah. going to have good people leaving. You're not going to have good people developing um, into the new opportunities and the new things that you need them to be able to do. And and organizations will increasingly just become kind of irrelevant and obsolete because they won't have the talent to do what needs to be done for them to be um, successful in the new world of work.
1: Yeah, super interesting. And you know, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, yes, I agree. Systems and processes are really important too. But I've noticed in companies is it's also really important to embrace sort of give back mindset. Hmm. And what I mean by that is, is how we share talent, maybe across functions, maybe across organizations. So like, you know, it's sometimes it's really easy to get, it's hard to build a bench for an organization when you are territorial about talent. They're mine. I don't want you to take my people because I'm a cool little functioning machine over here. And, you know, do, can we share across functions? Can we share across organizations? You know, a lot of companies are, you know, there's like a holding company, right? And then there's lots of other companies that are underneath Mm -hmm. that. And there's great opportunity for people to move in and around in those companies. But many of them do not have the process, even if they come up with the processes and the structure to have those conversations, they don't have a mindset of talent belongs to the organization or to the enterprise and not to the individual leaders. And I think that's tough, but I think you have to have a give back, leave a legacy kind of a mindset mm-hmm. as a leader um, to make those sacrifices, to be willing to develop talent for the better, greater good. And you might have to keep doing it with some new people because those people went somewhere. That's a, a struggle. It's hard for people to build their careers with those mindsets, but it all, it's also really hard for orgs to build their benches. Um yeah at least what I've noticed.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Absolutely. Robin, this has just been a great conversation. I note the time I need to let you go here in just a minute. (laughs) Before we wrap things up, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Okay, terrific. Yes, we are winning wise. We are out of Chicago, even though I'm based personally over here in Michigan. We really focus on organ t- talent development. That is our thing. Uh, we try to help organizations around their strategies for that, but we also have an online scalable tool to really help make development planning a central part of how an organization can grow. And uh, and we just felt like that was a problem that most people aren't very equipped at really creating development plans for people. Unfortunately, what we've noticed is managers are better at doing PIPs than IDPs. <laughs> I yeah. think we know what a PIP is. And so we just want to be able to create opportunity for organizations and for people to be able to grow their companies and grow their careers and sync with each other. When someone's career is really growing in the direction that feels like the right fit for them, it just makes your whole life better. And when organizations have people that are able to create their own and achieve their own personal ambitions inside of them, it makes their companies better too. And it gives them the benches <laughs> that they looking for to take on the big ambitions that they want to go after. So please reach out to us at www.winningwise.com. I'm Robin Clark, and it's just been a pleasure to be with all of you and love to talk to any of you about any of these topics in the future.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Robin. It's been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Robin and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.